Hey, Michael. So, I have a question for you. Uh, what makes mm-hmm. you anxious? <laughs> uh, lots of things. Um, right now we have this election <laughs> that's making me anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that happens after the election is still going to make me anxious. Um, got this big move that I'm going to be doing pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, that's making me anxious. The turkeys that live outside my apartment sometimes make me anxious. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. What about you? Oh, you know, I guess if we're thinking about animals, rats make me anxious. Something about seeing rats scares me. It, I'm also very much afraid of this election. I'm somehow afraid of Trump getting reelected. I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of Biden getting elected and people becoming very complacent again. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little tense right now. Got, 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 got those hairs kicking back up. Yeah, I fear some people will be complacent with Biden, but not as many as it was with Hillary Clinton. I think we could kind of be thankful for the pandemic about that. <laughs> um, we're, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I think because we're stuck in this quarantine, we're able, we're forced to pay attention more often. Mm-hmm. That all being said, uh, this is not an episode about the election that's going to begin tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it should be clear it will not end tomorrow because ballots have to be counted and that takes time. Mm-hmm. Please go vote. Please, yeah, yeah, if you haven't, do it. Um, it, you don't do it by mail. Because at this point, by the time this episode premieres, doing it, like, dropping it in the U.S. mail is not going to be helpful. No. Because some places will not count them after Election Day. Yeah. uh, If they're received after Election Day. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. We're not talking about that. Election talk, done. Um, We are, in fact, talking about Over the Garden Wall. Welcome to Pop the Culture Podcast, where we... Where two friends like to critically think and analyze different pieces of pop culture and media using nothing but their liberal arts degrees and their wit. I'm Joe. I'm Michael. And that's the first time we should really start writing down these intros, because I really like that, Joe. We should really, uh, we should note that for next time, because that was a good introduction to us both. And that, like, oh, the goal you. of our show. Yeah, thanks, man. Mm-hmm. If, if you could argue that there is a goal of this show. <laughs> the goal is for us to hear ourselves talk. Um... <laughs> yeah, that's, I edit the episodes and I'm just like, oh, yeah, Joe. <laughs> That's some good points you're making there. (laughs) We're talking over the garden wall. It is uh, a really short animated series. It's 10 episodes. They're each 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was released uh, actually uh, in early November, Mm -hmm. coincidentally, on Cartoon Network back in 2014. Yeah. And it was all directed and pitched by um, Patrick McHale, Mm -hmm. who is known for doing... Uh, adventure time uh and uh the misadventures of flapjack if you happen to to watch that i i was i was not a fan of flapjack but after watching this i see the influence Mm -hmm. somewhere out there uh celine just uh cringed a little bit (laughs) yes i know that's okay i think flapjack's animation was too scary for a sensitive little boy like me (laughs) But Adventure Time, on the other hand, I like this feels like a really good synthesis of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, before I dive into that, Michael, do you want to tell the people what the premise of the show actually is? Okay. And like before we kind of get into this, we're going to give a, I'm gonna give a quick spoiler warning. 
Uh, I'm probably gonna give one at the very beginning, but we're gonna spoil all ten episodes of these, so please go watch it. It's a we both recommend this series, but we think it's pretty good. We think it's very good. Uh, so yes, if you haven't seen it, you know, go go get that free Hulu subscription. This is worth watching all ten episodes. They're also only ten minutes each. This is basically the, the length of like a short move of like a feature length movie. Go give it a watch. It's lots of fun. But anyway, mm-hmm. so. You don't get much of an introduction into the two boys that we meet, uh, both named uh, Wart and Craig, respectively, the old, uh, the older and younger brother, respectively. And you basically just meet them when they're walking home through the woods and they're just trying to get home. That's all you really know about their purpose, their place in this story as our perspective characters. And it mixes together like themes of horror and absurdity in this kind of like cosmic horror twisted, uh, I guess we could say, because we already used the, 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 the spoiler kind of almost like a purgatory esque world. You would, I would say uh, that they're mm-hmm. kind of navigating themselves through. Uh, and they're just, like I said, they're just trying to get themselves home and they meet a whole cast of creepy and friendly characters along the way. Yeah, there's Beatrice, the talking bird, mm-hmm. who turns out to be a human who was transformed into a bird by a witch, known as Adeline. There, so Adeline is a, a very minor character, mm-hmm. but I would say like Beatrice and the Woodsman are like the two really big supporting characters yes. of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Woodsman, who is coincidentally voiced by Christopher Lloyd, really, um, uh, yeah, oh, of Back to the that's Future. That's why he sounded so familiar, right? Mm-hmm. that makes sense <laughs> just imagine him yelling to elijah wood as wart like wart we need to get back in time Marty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes totally um so there's the woodsman and the beast mm-hmm. um the beast is our cosmic horror like strange entity you only really see their eyes and their out the outline of their figure and the darkness Mm -hmm. they're constantly trying to the beast is constantly trying to tempt different characters Mm -hmm. uh into being lured further into the unknown in the woods and what's wild about it is kind of the theming around the beast as a character Mm -hmm. when we're meeting when we're meeting our boys they're kind of just going from different kind of like town to town getting lost and it seems like supposedly trying to learn a moral lesson yes along the way so when when we finally get to know who the beast is at the end i'm of two minds on what the beast represents to these two boys i think the beast either can be like the horrors of living through capitalism (laughs) yeah or simply like adolescence Mm -hmm. as a whole Mm -hmm. and or just like maturity through adolescence yeah it's like like there there are a few phrases that are repeated um throughout the series that uh that kind of alludes to these themes one is about like losing hope within the beast yes another is like our main character is wart is Mm warts the older brother Mm -hmm. um and he's constantly being told to face his problems. Yes. Um, rather than running away from them. Mm-hmm. Oh, and another one is anything is possible if you set your mind to it. Yeah. And this is a phrase that like adults will tell children frequently. Mm-hmm. Or people in power will tell 
people without power like oh you could do anything if you put your mind to it if you work hard enough Mm -hmm. you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps even Mm -hmm. (laughs) um yeah so and there's all these different like themes around identity a lot of people like to point to episode four of this series where wart and greg and beatrice go to a bar and everyone in the bar is obsessed about with roles and like which identity are you you stick to that identity and that is who you are mm-hmm. and you can't be anything more or anything less yeah and i can't help but feel like that that is like a, a message of like capitalism like you are supposed to be in this role like you are supposed to be in a position of power or you are not mm-hmm. i feel like these are all like reinforcing themes that warts as like a maturing you know as a kid becoming an adult um is like these are lessons that the beast and other people who have succumbed to the beast are trying to teach him yeah the woodsman is literally someone who's like basically producing labor off of the the souls of children right you know it's Mm -hmm. it's sucked the 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 life force out of them until they become something that he can then profit off of right or the beast can profit off of yeah totally Mm -hmm. i do think that there's like a definitely a strewn of like growing up and i think maturity is right in that Greg, Greg's like you know his like blissful ignorance to the world around him the entire the entire show is pretty remarkable it's not really towards the end till he finally has his moment where he also kind of uh succumbs to the beast because essentially like uh wart kind of had this moment like you know wart has this like kind of explosive moment with him where he's like you know i'm, I'm really angry with you you can't just keep you know like walking around as if the world doesn't exist and it's like the first time, uh, I'm sorry, Greg becomes conscious of the world around him. And I think that mm-hmm. that kind of lends itself to like the, the maturing stuff. And like, I think the 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 uh, stuff about like labor and jobs, I think that's definitely there as like part of the set piece of things of what it means to get older, right? What it means mm-hmm. to 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 kind of like find, uh, to find your place in this world, which I totally agree with in that like when, the, when he goes there, everyone's like, oh, I'm the butcher. That's what I do. Like, it's my whole identity. It's my thing. And you you don't have that yet because you're just a kid. So therefore, you must be the hero, right? You must be the pilgrim. You must be the one who has to figure it out, right? Until you are allotted mm-hmm. back to your place in this life, and then you basically then find a role. It's like mm-hmm. it's like it's like it, it it almost like is almost uh self aware of the hero's journey to kind of knock it down to be like oh well like let let me show you how you're going to undergo this journey just so you can be slotted into a very specific role yeah that episode four is is somewhat it is very pessimistic if you think about it that way <laughs> i mean we've been, we've been talking about this all month so i do think it's worth bringing up here the show has a strong sense of heart and optimism spread throughout it and it's only in this kind of grim world that that optimism really is all the more needed uh, albeit mm-hmm. sparingly because i do think the beast is also meant to represent that type of like I don't want to say pessimistic, but almost like what people interpret as the realistic interpretation of our world. That like, this is kind of just what you have to do, right? Welcome to the real world, jackass. Exactly, um, right? That's, yeah, that's kind of the, the message around the beast. Um, maybe nihilism? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's like cosmic horror incarnate, right? It's some type of existential dread, which I think in the case of these two young boys, it is like the fear of getting older, right? The fear of having mm-hmm. to... Uh, take more responsibility and kind of like be like face the things that make you afraid of them or even like in the way in which like you also become kind of complacent with them right 
mm-hmm. as like that's kind of what the woodsman is. Like the woodsman is someone who kind of grew complacent with the world around him. And I think there's part of that fear that like I think someone I, I read this online, so I will not take credit for thinking of this on my own, that like because they basically end up near the mill again, this whole story yeah. takes place as the, of them just walking in a giant circle. That like yeah. ultimately war is going to end up here. But he doesn't, right? Like he kind of mm-hmm. he breaks free of the of the beast at the end by just kind of simply saying, like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, he chose to to not be complicit to to not be complacent with the world around him and also to like care genuinely care about others and to not be so like i wouldn't say that wart is necessarily selfish mm-hmm. um but i will say he is self-centered yes it's because he's a teenager and he's very much concerned about going to see his girl mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah. the surprise twist is like this all takes place in basically maybe wart's mind and in contemporary times yeah like it's unsure of whether or not it's actually happening in like 2014 or maybe in the 90s Mm-hmm. yeah because he makes her a tape which is definitely not a recent thing that's definitely a thing of like oh boy am, am i am i about to age myself i feel like that's even a thing of like early 80s late 70s no yeah um i'm not sure if you ever watched I mean, yeah, you've watched Perks of Being a Wallflower, right? Yes. That takes place in the early 90s. They're really into tapes, but the idea of people being into mixtapes was even kind of old back then. Mm-hmm. Like, CDs were just becoming popular. I am curious to hear, because you kind of brought it up really quickly, like, do you think this whole story takes place in Wart's mind? Because I do think that there's, like, the... the uh... There's a lot There's a lot of weird stuff that happens, and I feel like that's where, like, the weird purgatory world kind of gets weird? In that, like, uh, Wart, and, like, of course, I'm sure people are, like, have done the whole Charlie Day, like, board, <laughs> you know, Charlie Day yeah. with the board, with all the things connecting, uh, of, like, what exactly happened, what exactly is real. But, like, I think the the ending does do a clear job of showing all the characters you've met interacting with someone. Like, you see Beatrice with her family, finally, you see the woodsman meet his daughter, you see the two, like, like the two T-barons meet each other. Like, I do think that mm-hmm. there is that angle to it, but, like, Wart does ultimately end up back in present day. Mm-hmm. Like, he ends up in present day, you know, America, most likely. And, mm-hmm. like, what what are we to make of that, the purgatory world then? Because that, that, that world does still seem mm-hmm. trapped in that uh, unknown time period. Um, it's definitely America because the the time period and, and the imagery they're trying to evoke is directly like it is Americana. Mm-hmm. Uh, to answer your question, it yes, uh, within the last scene of the last episode, you have Greg is holding um, um, Jason uh, uh, Fartburger, something like that. I already I was like something. I know it's Jason something burger. Oh, uh, it is um, Jason Funderburger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's holding up Jason Funderburger, the frog, mm-hmm. and the frog whose name changes every episode, <laughs> and, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the episode where, like, he like his name is now George Washington on uh, on this river road. Yeah, uh, his this river boat ride, which is a clear ref. There's even like a clear reference to Steamboat Willie. Mm-hmm. When when Greg is holding up the frog and it has the magical light on the inside mm-hmm. that like commands things to occur, 
it's meant to draw back to uh the unknown mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. and i think at the very least like the unknown does exist within this world because the unknown is the process of maturation mm-hmm. so i think that would be that would be it uh, that that is my answer yeah it is something of a non-answer i know but uh i firmly believe in my non-answer yeah no, I mean, I think you're on to something. I think that that's kind of that's kind of where I was thinking, and I think you just kind of gave me the words for it in that, like, I think that uh, him going back to this time period specifically and, like, this fear of labor and fear of getting older and fear of those responsibilities when all he really wants to do is kind of just, like, hang out with his, uh, his non-girlfriend is, like, that's, like, where this type of labor capital behavior started, right? It's in this kind of like world trademark. It's like when that's when the global trade market began. I mean, there's no there's no references to things like slavery or any other like horrible business practices that occurred to allow America to become this kind of like a world capital giant that it is now. But it is like saying like this specific time period is what bred the idea that like of, of labor and growing in like essentially growing it and becoming a labor machine. Which I think that that's like kind of like tracking toward today of like why he's so dissatisfied with it. You know, at least of which mm-hmm. is like the 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 crippling dread of losing yourself along the way. Right. Like losing your sense of identity as well. I'm glad I'm glad uh, Wart found his identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the other thing, too. Like even on a, like the base level of just the idea that the beast is just despair. Right. Like falling into the idea of of pure nihilism, I think there's something nice, even if I think this can be a little bit short sighted. In that, like the people, like the girl that Wart likes, clearly likes him back. Like she she yes. she clearly likes him. The people in Wart's life want to support him. It is his mm-hmm. fear. It is his anxiety over his own insecurity that prevents him from reaching out to them. And I think in a small circumstance, and I think in, in some cases that can be true. I do think that like uh, approaching that and saying you just kind of need to, you you know, everyone needs to to just kind of reach out without realizing that people don't always have that can be short-sighted. But I do like, I don't inherently hate the idea that like, like people around you are meant to help you. And, and you know, in mm-hmm. some cases, that's not the case for everyone. But while like, while the fear of reaching out to people is still very much scary, and that's still like a journey worth going off of. Like reaching out and finally accepting other people's help is like a a worthwhile journey for a someone like a teenager to undergo, right? Mm-hmm. And like I, that, I remember thinking about that in relation to like myself and specifically just like like at that age, like that fear of just being like, hey, like reaching out to even like friends in our close circle, and like this is like I guess where I started thinking of uh, like us growing up and just that like oh like. Figuring out the language of how to reach out to your support structures is hard and scary, but it's also yeah. something you really need to learn how to do. Like you don't get to not learn that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's I think that that's why even even though I think it could be a little short sighted, I really like that message still. Yeah, I love I love the journey that uh, that work goes through. It, yeah, the message is very interesting in that like his his insecurity comes from this self-centered point of view and then you know his lesson is that he learns to care about his younger brother Mm -hmm. uh and that's where he becomes less self-centered and is therefore able to reach out to sarah and ask her to come over and listen to 
some mixtapes that are not the one of him playing his clarinet Mm -hmm. um, and reciting poetry. But uh, I think one of the the nuances of of that story is like him learning to be proud of his talents. Yeah. Um, It's one of the one of the more subtle, uh, I think, arcs that occur uh, throughout the the series. Mm hmm. Because, like, Beatrice, like, shits on him mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> Which is funny, because it's the twist on, like, a little birdie friend that helps. It's a little birdie friend that's trying to screw you over. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want any part with Wart. Uh, then grows to appreciate him. Mm-hmm. And, of course, is trying to be, like, negative towards him. But she'll be, like... She she will, like, undercut him. And, like, put him down. Mm-hmm. But he's also, like, learning lessons throughout these episodes to like love himself and love the other things about himself Mm -hmm. and i think that that's i think that that's really powerful and resonant Mm -hmm. it's especially seeing that and and like getting the twist in the ninth episode because we're told like right beforehand where where greg is like his younger brother thinks he's awesome yeah and thinks he's great and wants him to keep doing that it's so it's so heartbreaking when he when you do see all the love and support that he has yeah like psychologically it it, it it it's really interesting and, and also you know really heartbreaking yeah you know i was crying in the in, in uh the eighth and ninth episode mm-hmm. it was really rough yeah I'm, I'm curious to more like how you felt during this uh during this like during this journey with wart i don't want to say you remind me of wart but i'm definitely seeing things that I, I wonder if if when you were watching them you you had like a stronger feeling of uh relatability to oh 100 percent, yeah i really identified with wart i felt like you know in the ninth episode where wart's just like oh god what about all these other things these these horrible things are gonna happen and then like greg's like no they're not i'm just gonna go and do this thing and everything's gonna work out mm-hmm. and like even his friend support group group is like yeah things everything's cool it's all good yeah and they all like him um, yeah it's fine mm-hmm. um but i totally get that anxiety of just like and that and that you know that type of insecurity mm-hmm. i really you know i really get it and i think it's so funny that uh this hero's journey um and this you know every person character is played by elijah wood <laughs> of lord of the rings fame of course like it, it like you know i can't help but feel like it's referential to that as well of course like it's still it's like we know who we know who we hired for this role yes absolutely <laughs> when even beatrice is like you're the hero mm-hmm. straight up that is a line of dialogue that is said mm-hmm. and he just doesn't feel that way you know yeah can 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 frodo uh throw the ring in the fire and when he doesn't and everyone still loves him at the end why is he still you know mm-hmm. how shitty does that feel yeah totally it's like, oh, I think there's something to be said about, like, not always being kind of like your best self all the time. And that doesn't make you any more or less than, like, who you nor- like who you are. Like, I do think, mm-hmm. like, with like with him with the bas- like, with the bassoon, right? When he's trying to play yeah. the bassoon and he's like, I, I, I can't do this. And Beatrice, it, like, fully expecting him to fail is like, no, you got this. You totally got this. And then he, he doesn't. And even she's surprised. And it's like, oh, and, and he has this moment where he's like, oh, thank you so much for believing in me. She's like, yeah, whoa. And you, you obviously like the way the lines are delivered that, oh, she clearly expected him to fail, too. And that like, oh, in this way, that's like, oh, this. And still in confidence does a lot. Yes. Yes. It's like and it's like and that's kind of leaning towards like the 
favoring yourself, right? Like ble- like learning to believe in yourself. That's really where the core of warts insecurities lie. It's not always external forces. <laughs> sometimes it can be uh, some type of like deep resonance even within you. Mm-hmm. So do you think that the 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 series message of anything is possible if you put your mind to it or um do you think that it's a double-sided phrase for the series do i think it's a double-sided phrase i think it's definitely i think yes i do think it's one of those things where it it can be very helpful to think uh anything is possible if i guess this is me maybe what's getting maybe reading into the idea of also what i think uh cosmic horror is trying to do and specifically any type of horror that reflects onto the uh in the insecurity of or the the failings of the mind that go kind of psychological mm-hmm. clearly uh clearly war is like some type of anxious he has he has like high anxiety where it's like oh but what if your mind doesn't work right like you know if you if you're if you put mm-hmm. your mind to it but your you know your brain is kind of like faulty it it could be extremely frustrating right it's like oh it, it's not that simple right like you know my brain moves at a million miles per hour for whatever reason and mm-hmm. i'm it, it's not that easy right well mm-hmm. also in some cases yes like if you you can do things by just kind of sitting down i guess it kind of reminds me of like how sometimes like as a creative you have to get yourself to work something seems like that that, that 50 page paper that you have to do or that 50,000 page novel you have to write it like it's it yet it begins with one page right and you just kind of have to sit mm-hmm. down and do it right you just have to start mm-hmm. hitting those keys mm-hmm. so it, i i would say yes then i would say it's a double-sided phrase in that way what do you think yeah i think so that's why i asked the question <laughs> <laughs> i think it, i think it is a double-sided phrase mm-hmm. um uh and i'm glad i figured it out on mike mm-hmm. um <laughs> I did not think about this beforehand. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I, I have a question for you then. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the frog? Uh, I mean, like we, we, I think it's hilarious. Have many names, but what do you make of the fact that uh, it could sing? Oh well, it doesn't just sing; it sings the theme song. Yeah. You know, I I thought of, um, what was most interesting is about that storyline was the frog. The frog was going to get like a musical contract mm-hmm. and work with the band. Um, and then Greg was just like, oh, OK, like, that's fine. Good for you. Mm-hmm. And that was like another instance of a character who had who had left them because mm-hmm. before we had the horse. Yeah. Right. What was the horse's name again? Isn't it like Fred? Wait, seriously? Fred the horse? You're fucking kidding me. Is that the is that the name? Yeah, that's the name of the horse. That's also a reference to a really old bit. That's like a really like like that's a really old uh, TV show. Well, you heard Fred the horse. You, he- you heard it here. We just figured another thing. We just figured out on Mike perfectly. And wow. and also like man, like yeah, you're right. There is there is that too, right? Like the Fred leaves them because he goes to find he gets a job, right? like he yeah goes, it's because of labor yeah he goes and then like becomes kind of a shill for the tea that, they're, that he's selling right yes he finds his purpose in labor mm-hmm. um 
and finds his calling in the pl- in the niche that it is. You could view that with contempt because he gave into the capitalist system, or you could say, hey, he found his way. He found what makes him tick. Mm-hmm. And but what's interesting is the frog, who I think is named George Washington, and then <laughs> Benjamin Franklin, and then in that episode, mm-hmm. um, the frog rejects money and fame and decides to stay with them. Yeah. So like, what to make of that? Um, and the fact that the frog sings the theme song of Over the Garden Wall, mm-hmm. the process, which in this in this case is the process of maturation mm-hmm. and co- literally coming of age. I think the frog found its place within the group. And I think it's more of a meta context of like the group as a whole and the way that the comedic dynamic works requires that frog to be there <laughs> for seriously for Greg like like the frog serves a purpose for greg mm-hmm. and the idea that greg is also a self-centered character but righteously so because greg is like what five ten yes. it's like he's a kid he's like a child child he is a child so the fact that he is so self-interested and doing like random shit mm-hmm. and is completely unafraid of social norms and is constantly carrying around this frog like it's a stuffed doll it, it makes sense that there is something for for fred to grasp onto mm-hmm. and i guess in some sense that kind of re reaffirms the idea of every everyone or everything has a purpose mm-hmm. and a place yeah and the frog's place is at greg's side yeah yeah i i, I like the frog a lot too like i was i was surprisingly charmed by the bit of the frog and greg i think i was charmed by them as a whole a lot more than i was expecting like when I saw that Greg's bit was to be this type of like absent-minded child, I was like, "Oh, is this is this gonna get old?" But strangely, <laughs> it didn't, right? Like mm-hmm. it it didn't like, and I think like in might I say too, when he says his his costume's an elephant in like the ninth episode, mm-hmm. I thought that was fucking hilarious. I was like, "Oh yep. my god!" <laughs> like, <laughs> of course, of it course is. it is, of course it is. <laughs> And he tries to, and he tries to be like, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a dying elephant or something. And it's like, yeah. oh, look, that's Greg's brother over there. <laughs> Which is like perfect because like they've been doing absurdist shit this whole show. So of course, like in this one moment when he tries to do something silly in not the realms of their mind, everyone's like, what the fuck's this kid doing? <laughs> oh, this kid is being a kid. Yeah, it's like it. The ninth episode is such a weird, jarring tone of switching back to like, like mundane with a capital M. And like taking mm-hmm. this weird tone we've been on this whole show where weird shit is just happening all the time and you just kind of have to ride with it and just mm-hmm. know and just accept that like you're just you're just along for the ride, which is yeah. just it just makes the show all the more charming and fun in ways in which I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I'm curious to hear some. This is something we talked about a little bit last night when we were playing Pokemon. <laughs> um you said that you thought the show was better when it was leaning into like the horror scary stuff. Yeah. How come? I'd like to hear more about that now. Right now? Or can I put that off till later? Do you want do you want to wrap up with that? No, I'm just making a bit because we're on a podcast and you can edit whatever time oh, you exactly. want. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Here, we'll, we'll talk about everything else. Um, and we're back. No. <laughs> so like the reason why I like the horror stuff better is because to me, I think the horror was much more noticeable thematically. Mm-hmm. It was much more nuanced. Um, 
it spoke directly to different theories about maturation maturation um and capitalism i guess i would say Mm -hmm. or or work whatever whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. the idea of doing labor against your will (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah uh i i enjoyed the horror the horror aspects more one because i think they were like animation and artistically they were more interesting to me yeah um i loved in the first episode the idea that like this the beast wasn't actually a beast it was a dog yeah um and the animation for for that was i thought incredible mm-hmm. i liked the animation for when they were in the tavern there's the one scene where i think it was the butcher who was singing a song mm-hmm. where they're spinning around in camera and it's all one continuous hand-drawn uh shot and yeah. honestly that was incredible yeah um there uh, like that's another thing to note like the art the art direction um the art style um and i would say like most of the animation is incredible mm-hmm. there are some times where the animation i thought was very stilted mm-hmm. um and it took me out of it if you're paying attention you'll notice um mm-hmm. but uh that 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 is a minor nitpick yeah um, but anyway, those are those are some of the main reasons why I preferred the the horror episodes as an adverse to say like the let's say for example the episode that takes place at the schoolhouse mm-hmm. with the teacher who is you know teaching the animals to read and write. Yes, it's funny because like in this world, like animals secondly don't speak. Although these frog people who don't speak have their own culture. Yeah, uh, and this bird talks. Uh, and these skeletons who have pumpkin heads talk, but like normal animals don't talk. <laughs> um, but they're still going to like put on a costume and sit in a chair. Um, anyway, doesn't matter. It's all absurdist. I thought that that episode was lackluster. Oh, did you not like potatoes and, mono- and potatoes and molasses? It was fine. I When I saw that, I'm like, this is a little kid being a little kid. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was the first episode that they had singing. I think so. Yeah, that threw me for a loop because uh, it was like the third episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wait. Yeah, School uh, School Town Follies episode three. Yeah, it threw me for a loop that they were singing and then it was a constant for the entire series. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be a song in basically every episode. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just went with it. But yeah, like that's... Like those episodes to me, like, y- you know, it, it didn't speak directly to a fear to me it felt like if we're if we're in this purgatory and we're trying to go through like this process of becoming an adult there are going to be moments of reprieve right Mm -hmm. there's going to be moments where like not everything is a struggle yeah and you might find some good and i think that that's what it's meant to to symbolize Mm -hmm. when we get stuff like that Mm -hmm. when we get like um like school town follies like lullaby and frogland was a feel-good episode for the most part yeah but yeah like i definitely was more into basically anytime any anytime we had like interactions with with horror characters whether they be witches or the beast Mm -hmm. or uh skeletons with pumpkin heads oh my god that -hmm. might be one of my favorite set pieces of the whole show when they go into the abandoned town and it's just a bunch of skeletons with pumpkin heads because who would have thought pumpkins could look so scary i don't think i've seen yeah. anything any other form that made pumpkins look so scary yeah you know it it, it was um and once again i think that's that's dedication to like the art direction mm-hmm. and, and the artists uh as well yeah 
that that was absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. and it what's even more terrifying um is it plays to the anxiety of like never ending work yeah yeah they, they you know they literally die and get back up and get back working yeah mm-hmm Mm-hmm. yeah and like their punishment for you know their punishment for doing anything is labor right yep. you do something wrong mm-hmm. gotta do labor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you do you know you gotta go to the, they gotta go to those witch's house they have to do perform some type of labor for her because she's looking for free child labor yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's damn it's oh my god i'm like just realizing now that like how mm-hmm. like how much it is how much that is shit is like spread throughout the entire show oh my god yeah. Do you see why I think it's anti-capitalist? No, totally, <laughs> totally, totally. Well, I think, I think even I was starting to think that a little bit too in the episode with like specifically in the potatoes and molasses episode. In that, like, what do they do at the end? Is but they have like some type of like redistribution of all the wealth of people that kind of come by and like kind of give out money instead of just selling everything for some like kind of like uh, you know quick profit kind of thing. Which you know, at least of which is like <laughs> I do think there's something mildly unokay about uh what's about like pawning in that most people who poop pawn things are people who, who are who are relatively poor but i i think i ultimately will be forgiven in that the idea that like it is about like the whole town banding together to pay for something like a school right <laughs> something that does benefit people even if those people are animals who don't speak or yeah talk. yeah and which <laughs> and which like maybe and maybe that's like part of it too where it's like i do think i don't know i don't know like i don't know the the, the intentions or the stuff behind the people of the show but that also to me read like an assimilationist thing and that like they are they are taking parts of nature and make like literally trying to assimilate it into the, like, the daily life and that like they're putting yeah. them in a classroom they're trying they're trying to indoctrinate them into their uh their ways and making them behave mm-hmm. like they do yeah, at least that's what that's the reading I was getting from it when I was, uh, oh, definitely. I was watching it. There there are some um, you know, uh I think there are more qualified people than me to make these types of analysis mm-hmm. uh as I am uh uh a mostly white dude. So <laughs> <laughs> who grew up in an upper middle class neighborhood. Um but I think there were a especially if you know animation, the history of animation, there are a lot of interesting racial points in this series mm-hmm. um other than just that assimilationist kind of um indoctrination in education mm-hmm. um maybe that's the commentary they're making there they're you know if you talk about the way in which i don't know jazz music has been used in past um and like really old animation and the way in which they use it in this mm-hmm. um north wind yeah the north wind um which uh, could be coded yeah um yeah i didn't know how to feel about that either maybe i don't get to make that call i was like mm, it feels weird to use yeah. jazz here as this as this kind of like the 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 interruption of this childlike wonderland of mm-hmm. of candy glitz and things and you know i remember thinking like and maybe like maybe you can have that cake and eat it too if you just had more characters of color inside your story which this story doesn't you know Mm-hmm. in a way in which like i remember thinking that i think i remember thinking that during that episode like oh you know i wish there was more i wish there was a little bit more with with race if they're going to evoke that type of imagery but you know no mm-hmm. nothing can be perfect and uh you know everything's got a flaw and everything's got a little bit of a uh, uh a short sight uh behind the creators mm-hmm. so, you know my mm-hmm. view like more than one thing uh but even so 
it would be interesting to see like what a uh in the way in which I always think about this about cosmic horror stories and people are currently doing that with Lovecraft County in that like <laughs> country country uh in that like uh what does cosmic horror look like for people of color? Yep. But, you know, different topic for a different thing. Anyway, though, I am I am curious to think here more about, like, what was... What did you think of the Beast? Like, you know, we, we've talked about, like... Yeah, we opened with the Beast. About, yeah, we opened with the Beast, but I'm curious to hear more of your thoughts on it. So we didn't get any imagery of the Beast um, until the very end. We realized mm-hmm. that the Beast has antlers. Um, I thought it was a tree. Yeah, I mean, like, the imagery of it is antlers, and that's meant to evoke, like, satanic imagery, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you think about it, if you aren't a kid, you might not know that. But if you're an adult, mm-hmm. yes, you do. Um, mm-hmm. But it is. It is. Um, we, we get one shot during the climax of episode 10, and it is a hollow tree where it looks like children's souls are trapped within it. Yeah. And there's a lot of ancient mythology around you know, the spirits of children in woods. And it's really, you know, it's really wild to think about all that in the context of the entire series. It is the Mm spirit. It is literally two kids in spiritual purgatory going through woods. And unfortunately I am not educated enough on, um, uh, the mythologies. Uh, if, if I had to guess maybe Norse, (laughs) Um, I think it's Norse mythology that is, um, that talks about kids like actually becoming trees. Mm -hmm. Um, it's even alluded to in game of thrones, but yeah, yeah, I I think one that's pretty smart of them to try and draw upon that, uh, that kind of stuff and two, you know, I, I think it, it is speaking to maybe a fear of losing your childlike innocence you know greg is the unsung hero of this entire story even though we talk yeah. about wart uh even though we talk about the wart a lot which is a fun reference if i did i already say this i think it's a fun reference to we said this off mic okay we ahead. said it off mic it's a fun like wart's name is a fun reference to the once in future king you know mm-hmm. and the sword and the stone when he's mostly called the wart is mm-hmm. about maturation and coming mm-hmm. of age and learning yeah. life's lessons I'm so glad they picked Elijah Wood. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Greg, I need to stop talking about Wart because Greg is the unsung hero because of his sense of optimism in the worldview. Mm-hmm. And I think I think because the show uses him rather sparingly and you, mm-hmm. and like so you don't feel like Greg overstays his welcome, they really care a lot about having that making sure that his presence is known then. Yes. Like yes, his yes. his theme needs to really hit Mm-hmm. and i think i think without greg this would be very drab yeah oh um, it'd be such a such a dreary thing to get to mm-hmm. get through yeah even if at times like greg like the the punchlines can come you know it's like it's a cartoon network short that's aimed for kids mm-hmm. um but other times it's genuinely witty yeah um you know like the elephant bit that we already pointed out or or like how the frog keeps changing names because he can't decide on one. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a good it's a good uh, it's a good tone. It, see, this is where we talk about like you know inconsistency isn't always a bad thing mm-hmm. in that it does make the it does make the the scary stuff all the more unsettling, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's he's there and he's also like and also like him not being as affected by it makes sense with the thematic 
you know cohesion of the story yeah like he's not as afraid of the beast as ward is because he's not old enough yet yeah he does not understand that this is a thing to fear as an adolescent or an adult yeah and you know at least not till he's a little bit older the thing about like like trees and children and i think that this this is i mean this is like you know i'm also <laughs> I don't, i'm not up to date with my mythology so maybe i don't know if i get to make this call but i would assume because this also gave me a little bit of majora's mask vibes which you mm-hmm. know if you're gonna evoke majora's mask i don't know if intentionally or not i'm gonna love that shit because i also think that majora's mask straddles that line of fantasy and horror like two of my favorite genres so well uh, i love majora's mask and i think even more specifically i think the idea of a child getting lost specifically in the woods is them getting lost in a world that that will then shape them into something they did not start as mm-hmm. in that like they got lost somewhere somewhere they don't know and therefore they took on characteristics of that world they grew up in essentially mm-hmm. in this case if they grew up in a haunted forest they are then going to grow into a haunted tree gotcha you know? and i think that the fear of kind of like losing and i think that's like losing yourself right Glo- like going into somewhere else and eventually like that those external forces that exist outside of you like 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 we've said like cosmic horror is and totally will then like imprint onto you and you will then externalize them yourself mm-hmm. which i think that's and that fuck if that's scary like you know <laughs> yeah you know hence hence the fear of uh growing more conservative when you get older right that's not happening um <laughs> absolutely i am trending the opposite way um <laughs> yeah um it is terrifying to think about mm-hmm. um yeah the beast is the beast is great i love that the show gives us just enough mm-hmm. you know it doesn't overstay its welcome it gives us the opportunity to think and theorize about these different things i love I-, I love that they tell us just enough information good world building good fantasy all mm-hmm. around in this series mm-hmm. um i got a question for you sure since we haven't talked about her yet, and we definitely should, what do you think of Beatrice? Oh, what do I think of Beatrice? Yeah, I, I thought. I don't know. To be totally honest, I have I don't know about Beatrice too much, other than she seems like someone who kind of got a. <laughs> she to me seems like someone who was punished for not like her punishment didn't match her crime, or her crime didn't match her punishment. Yeah, in a way in which like. She seems forced into a caretaking role despite never wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. Is that like she's very much seems like that's kind of her role with Wart and Greg. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even that, even this thing that she got forced into, she then starts to kind of hate herself over as like the guilt she feels over kind of bringing them into the witch's domain. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like there's there's uh, something there to be unpacked with that and about uh, forced caretaking. I don't know. What do you think? I thought Beatrice as a foil um, worked really well. Um, mm-hmm. I see why she left. Um, she quote unquote left the party because we, we needed to, we, the story was ending and they really needed to wrap up the, the characterization of these two. Yeah. Um, I wish that Wart and Beatrice had a stronger conclusion together. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish there was more resolution with that. Because they had really built up the animosity between the two. And then the forgiveness was understandably quick. But there wasn't like any like 
there wasn't any like oh thank you like i i really wish that like wart had gotten to see her transform or something like that mm-hmm. or like grow to understand ah this is the mistake i'm sorry and like maybe they both learn another lesson what i thought was most interesting was how beatrice was much more interested initially with greg than wart yeah like i don't know what her animosity towards him specifically was about mm-hmm. Like, I know that some people read into it as, um, once again, this isn't like a wholly original thought. Um, like Beatrice was like trying to push them away. So she emotionally doesn't feel bad for what she's doing to them, trying to bring them into child labor. Yeah. However, like I, like, I think she was much more harsh on Wart than she was on Greg. Um, so I think it might be more of an expression of she also has a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. And as she is watching, you know, as any young adult sees another young adult who has similar traits, you know, you get you have some form of animosity towards them. Um, yeah, uh, I, you know, it can even be possible in adults. If you don't like a person for a particular reason, it's quite possible you see it in yourself. Totally. And I think yeah. that maybe that might be what Beatrice is playing into. But I just don't think. I think maybe we could have used uh, like an 11th episode where it's just Beatrice. Like maybe yeah. that would have helped more. Yeah, that's that's just me. I wanted more. Yeah, she gets to be a, she gets to be a fun thing to balance off our perspective character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think I do like their because they have their moment where the screen's completely dark and it's just, you know, goodbye, Wart. Goodbye, Beatrice. Mm-hmm. And I think to me that was that was I guess that was as close as I realized like, oh, OK. I feel like I read that as just like, oh, in complete darkness, like taking away all of our kind of our external things. I know who you are and I respect you and I kind of love you Mm -hmm. and I appreciate what you've done for me, even though we're never going to see each other again. Mm -hmm. And so I was almost I was pretty sad after that. And like, oh, and having that realization of like, oh, they're never going to interact again. Mm hmm. But even so, like, I do agree. It w- I guess it still would have been more nice to see their forgiveness is relatively quick in that, like, they just find each other in that snowstorm. And, like, that's really it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, considering, I guess it's like, maybe it might be one of those things where it's like, considering how fast they met, considering how fast, like, mm-hmm. like how long the story actually takes place over the, over the course of the, uh, like, actual time it takes place. And mm-hmm. they didn't know each other for that long. So it very much is like a, you know, a, a very... A quick friendship and one that definitely will be remembered by them as i think uh greg kind of recounting the tale is like a a nice little nod to say like oh this this will have a lasting impact on them Mm -hmm. this will stay i guess i guess my frustration i was speaking to is like i don't i guess i didn't quite feel the like sense of respect for each other i can Mm -hmm. see why beatrice over the course of learning wart respects wart um, but I don't see Wart respecting Beatrice as much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why it just feels a bit incomplete. And maybe maybe it's meant to be read more as a tragedy. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm just pushing against that because I, 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 I've got enough tragedy with the real world in this <laughs> in, in this show. Um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's like lacking a little bit of catharsis, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I want I want a little bit more of the relationship. Maybe just because it's like, oh, I like seeing them interact. I thought Wart and Beatrice had a, had a good dynamic with each other of uh, enemies to friends. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. I, I do it like in the same way that, of course, I would take more time. The writing is solid. The performances are really good. I would absolutely take uh, more time with both of them. I didn't even I, I forgot to say this back then, but I remember thinking even even the way in which uh, when he hands uh, Sarah, is that her name? The big tape yes. at the end. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like say like him saying like, oh, like, come over, and listen to music and maybe we'll build our way up to here. I do think that like admittedly too, that's also good in the way in which it's like, oh, you don't have to start by sharing with people your innermost darkest secrets off the bat. You could build up to it, you know, start by, you know, letting a little bit of yourself into first and then you could show more and then you can show more and then more and then more and then more. I think it's I think it, that that's like a sweet way for the series to end. <laughs> you know, the, the frog wraps it up for us, right? Yes. Yeah. Which I'm sure I'm sure some people read the frog as like a, a, a godlike figure or a guardian angel kind of watching over them. Yeah, I, w- I would see the I would say the. I would say the frog is a guardian angel. 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about a godlike figure. There are many godlike figures if that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um there's an there's an entire at least boat full of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think he does serve as like he does serve as a guardian figure for them. That's why he accompany mm-hmm. he they immediately meet him right as they go into uh right as they technically enter the unknown yeah it's also like that's the thing that greg really wants to do it's like you promised you do this with me this is what our whole relationship which you know this show is in part about their relationship to each other like that like you know them finally work choosing to kind of care for greg in this way and not just kind of sliding by on coincidence is a is a good way to end it off right mm-hmm. yeah it's a good show it's a great it's a show. <laughs> uh, honestly, um, I was a lot of people have recommended to me to watch this. I'm mm-hmm. glad I finally did this. This was really quite a treat. If you haven't watched the show and you've listened to all of this, uh, you like we have not dived in to a lot. There's a lot of story that happens in each of these 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's an entire movie's worth of plot that occurs. Yeah. I'm sure there's a podcast where there's an hour episode for every single episode. <laughs> In which case, um, good for you guys. I hope you're successful. Yeah. yeah it's, um, the show, the, the show is wild. Um, you know, there, there are some aspects that aren't exactly perfect, but mm-hmm. it, it is damn good. And if you want this to like edge off your Halloween, then that go for it um yeah this is some good pre and post halloween vibes Um, yeah yeah it's a good way to get you in the spooky mood and then end you off with feelings of wholesome love if you know cautious love for Mm -hmm. the holidays coming up ahead Uh, i hope you know joe if we ever get stuck in the unknown together i'm happy you're there with me me too you're gonna have to deal with a lot of frogs (laughs) <laughs> that's okay i hear you like frogs yeah i, I i'd be glad to wander the unknown with you too um mm-hmm. i hope we don't have this uh, a shit-eating bird like this one <laughs> <laughs> yeah no yeah this, this has been this has been a fun this has been a fun month of watching spooky stuff and we don't we, we have one extra bonus episode coming out which will be 
It'll be about Halloween in general. You're also dropping on Halloween. If you're interested in listening to that as well. Why are you, why are you making that face? Halloween is this Sunday. We are recording this before Halloween. You mean this Saturday? Saturday. So it won't be coming out. It'll already be out because this will be released the following Tuesday. So if you haven't checked out our Halloween episode, you should go check it out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, by all means, listen to listen to our Halloween episode where we might do a quick little wrap up of all the things we've talked about this month uh, in terms of just like, I'm so happy we did this as in I got to kind of like be spooky on Maine for a little while. And I'm glad, uh, Joe, you were also interested in doing this idea with me. Yeah, I, I love I love the spooks. I love Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the idea of pretend to be something you're not. I like the idea of getting a bunch of candy. And I like the idea of this show um, teach you how to become someone you are. Yeah. And be confident in that. Yeah. Well said. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we won't spook you next week, y'all. But it's been a fun, uh, fun week. And I look forward to whatever it is we're doing next. Because we're about to get uh, looking like we're going to get wholesome soon. So stay tuned for a, uh, for a return to regular programming. And then maybe some feel good, uh, feel good times in the future. Yes, we'll definitely have a holiday, uh, uh, a holiday series coming your way. Mm-hmm. All right. But okay. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. We will talk to you all very soon. I hope you had a great Halloween, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. All right, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pop the Culture Podcast. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at popthecuturepod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to thank our PR guy, Joseph Tomlin. And I'd like to thank our editor, Michael Ruiz. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me on twitter.com and Instagram at joketomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.